when you are building relationship um, with another brother in Christ and not just because I want you to come and do something for me, not just because I want you to help change our demographic, but because I genuinely desire to know who you are, to know who your family is. Um, when we break down those walls, then I think that's one of the ways and one of the things that really helps to naturally and organically cause uh, diversity to take place. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to another episode of the Send Columbus podcast. We are grateful to have our, oh gosh, assessment <laughs> regional trainer. Did I say that right? Regional assessment, that. Tra- regional assessment trainer. Midwest and Ohio, Ohio Valley, Valley assessment. Jackie regional. Taylor. Jackie. Hello, guys. Uh, Jackie again. Did, did an episode with us on family dynamics and hard decisions and families with church planning that was really great. So today we wanted to have her back to talk to us a little bit around diversity. And the reason for that is because our city, Columbus, um, in inside the 270 loop is about 30% African-American. Uh, we don't have an African-American planter in our network currently. And so we're seeking, and how do we reflect our city better as a network? And so we thought while we had Jackie talking about family dynamics, we would also uh, throw this around with her. So Jackie, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for having me come back again. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And now that our internet is stable, we can actually have a good conversation. <laughs> We're good uh, now. <laughs> yeah. Our last podcast was very much in and out over and over again. It was. Poor Jackie had to like restate her answers like three times each, but it's okay. We Listen, got it. my goal, I, I say this often when I was a little girl, I was the little girl in the class who got notes sent home for talking too much. My mom wasn't really a fan of that. Um, So there was definitely discipline that happened pretty often. So now in life, I'm like, I'm making all of those she talks too much notes pay off. I'm just going to and I'm going to make a living doing it. So it's fine. I love it. Well, we appreciate it. So one of the things we want to kind of talk about is this heart for diversity for our network to reflect our city, to be a reflection of the kingdom of God. We we do have that in some ways and, and, mm-hmm. and in some pockets, but as we try to pursue that uh, to a greater degree, Jackie, why is that important for us wow. to, to reflect our, our city? I think that's a fantastic question. It's important. I believe it's important to reflect your city because you live in your city. And um, anything that does not reflect uh, the context that it's in is in many ways inauthentic and limited. It's a, it provides a distorted view. And so I think that the work of um, every city, you know, should be to reflect in the churches in those cities to reflect the places that they're sitting in the net, the, the networks, the neighborhoods that they find themselves in to be reflective of those in order to give um, the best imagery of the kingdom of heaven and in order to be God honoring. So that's why I think it's important. Yeah, that's really good. So Chad, Chad's been on our team for what, two, two years. years. Mm -hmm. I've been on for about six months now. And so 
really we've been working together for the last six months and uh, diversity um, and getting more planters on our team that are diverse is obviously really, really important to us. And so um, kind of as we think about this and try to approach it, what are some maybe like action steps or advice that you could give us in terms of how to help cultivate diversity within um, our network in Columbus? Yeah. So obviously I'm not speaking from the standpoint of a pastor, but I think that this definitely um, goes across the, the line of family. I think one of the, um, one of the greatest, um, most, I uh, can't think of how I want to say it. One of the things that can be maintained over time is when you build relationship, right? When you, when you are building relationship um, with another brother in Christ and not just because I want you to come and do something for me, not just because I want you to help change our demographic, but because I genuinely desire to know who you are, to know who your family is. Um, when we break down those walls, then I think that's one of the ways and one of the things that really helps to naturally and organically cause uh, diversity to take. So in, in essence, what I'm saying, using a whole lot of words is not to be the people who say, oh, I have a black friend, not to be those people, um, to be the people who are saying, oh yeah, yeah, Tony, come on, let's go play basketball together. Or yeah, invite your family over, we're having a cookout, bring the kids, we're running the sprinklers, we're doing the this, we're doing the that. Build relationship first, because I'm sure you all have experienced in your own life, relationship at the end of the day is really what matters, right? Relationships are the things that keep you when you move across the country from a friend that you've made somewhere else. The reason why you still pick up the phone and call or shoot a text or follow their kid's graduation on Facebook is because you all have relationship, uh, not because you were um, concentrated on a demographic, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, one of the things I think you em emphasizing relationship really speaks to, to, to me and I, I, I've been made aware recently that, and I, I don't know that this is a, a purely um, white issue, mm -hmm. but that white people, I've been made aware, tend to be very transactional and not as relational. And is that is that kind of what you're getting at when you say, hey, don't just have me come to do this thing for you. Right. Like yeah. let's like build relationships with people who maybe aren't like you. And it's not just a racial issue. It could be socioeconomic or whatever. Absolutely. That, I think is that, is that that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. It, exactly. So I think when, for an example, um, let's say that you have a team at your church that wants to a team of teenagers who you need to go do missions work for the summer. You're like, guys, you, you're going to live on mission this summer. You're not just sitting in front of a screen. And so <laughs> let's say you decide to take this group of 15 teenagers and go inside the, what was it, the 270 loop uh -huh, yep, yep. and go do missions work at a church, right? And you have them there and they're painting and they're fixing stuff, maybe working the children's ministry, whatever they're doing. And quite naturally, you're walking around and you're taking pictures. And why? Because you want to be able to highlight what these teenagers did and what missions paid for and all the things. But think about this. If that is the only time that you see that pastor or planter, the only time that you have a relationship with them, it sends a signal 
that you are only a photo op for me so that we, we being the majority white church can show that we came and helped you all and we did something. What that does is it reinforces signals and things that, that um, you're not responsible for because you didn't start it. But when you do things of that nature, it reiterates this underlying kind of situation like, well, the black people need the white people to come and help us out because we don't have and we don't, you know, and we all know that that's not always true, but because it's not always true doesn't mean it's never true. And when we do things like that, um, it really diminishes the worth of other people in other people's eyes, if that makes sense. And so um, I know people personally who've had that experience more than once, and then they've ended up on the front of their state conventions magazines, you know, in this picture with this group that they only saw once this year. There's no relationship there. There's no anything there. And um, yeah, that transactional nature um, is not really an African-American trait. We are definitely (laughs) relational all in, come to dinner, come eat, come be with the family. Um, And I don't think, I'm not saying that one is right and one is wrong, but I'm saying like most things in life, where's the compromise? How can we meet each other in the middle? And more important than where the middle is, it's how do you walk away affirmed and how do they walk away affirmed? I think that's really good. And I think that's something that transactional thing and relational piece, like, I feel like that's something we're kind of learning about having to need more of that relational piece, even in just meeting with all types of pastors right. where, Hey, we don't actually even know you mm-hmm. instead of just going to lunch and exchanging business stuff. Let's just go and have lunch and talk and get to know each other and be friends. Yeah, I don't even know how many kids you have. Right. Yeah. You know, um, people, I've, I've heard many people say, and I, maybe I heard John Maxwell say it first. I can't remember who I heard say it first, it was a leadership teacher, but I've heard it repeated so many times over the years. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. People are pastors, planters, don't really care about what you need or what you wanna see happen in the city until they know that you care about them. So maybe you heard this family came to town, send a DoorDash gift card, bring pizzas and a couple of teenage boys to help unload boxes hey, we heard you just got to the city. We want you to know, you know, we all know what it's like to move, you know, be present in people's lives in ways that are real and authentic. That begins to build relational equity. And when you have relational equity with someone, you like you guys, Jason, you can go to Chad and say, hey, Chad, can you help me do such and such this weekend? You don't have to put a whole bunch of prefaces in front of it, a whole bunch, but you guys have built relational equity. When you have that, then making an ask of a person is not difficult. So for when Chad asks me to help paint his house, and he did, he did <laughs> do like, that. And I don't want to do that. Actually, I'm not free that weekend. And then <laughs> Whatever weekend it was, you were gonna ask. I'm not free that particular weekend. <laughs> yeah. He did paint at my house for three plus hours on a Saturday, and all he got was pizza. So yeah, it was. Well, I mean that. Pizza is normally painter's payment. Like, I just feel like when people help you move or paint something, it's pizza and some sodas. That is the expected payment. Yes. Yeah, and I know this has nothing to do with the podcast, but it's such a funny story that I have to tell it. There's this other couple whose kids were there, and they're, they're you guys are kind of out a little bit further, kind of in yep. the country, and they had, like, a, a fish pond. That, it's like a, yeah, goldfish like pond a goldfish that pond. we inherited. 
from and the previous this, owners. This little girl, she we're getting pizza and she goes and she dips her hands in the goldfish pond as to wash her hands before now, she's gonna this, eat pizza. This was not fresh goldfish pond water it either. Not this, washing this, hands water. No, this had been here, this had been there for a moment and had some good uh green slimy substance, oh. I guess, oh. uh, that she had thoroughly uh, so her hands uh, were definitely dirtier when she yes. got the out of the water. Yes, exactly. Were... And so she's about to grab her pizza, and I'm like, "No, do not touch <laughs> that pizza, please! Don't do it. I'm begging you, please don't do it." <laughs> yes. The whole you box can have to be thrown away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, but that that relational equity is is what allows that ask right to happen. Mm. What What are some examples of? I don't know, just some things you would say, like, hey, look, just don't do this, you know, because I feel like that's another, like, thing you, you just said, look, yeah. hey, don't, don't do that without relationship, right? What are some other do's and don'ts uh, when it comes to just building those relationships? Um, I think don't assume, hmm. you know, don't, don't assume every African-American man did not, does not come from brokenness, does not come from you know, the hood, quote unquote. Um, so I think assuming is the worst thing that you can do. Get to know someone and ask them, what's your story? I, I remember when people first started asking my husband that question, I was like, that is the lamest question I <laughs> in my life. But in the same way that you can have five white men in a room and get five different stories and find out that somebody who you thought was um, a, a white guy from the States is really from England when he starts talking and that he has no idea of any of the context of what everybody else is talking about. And you know what I mean? Of what their experience is. The same is true of anybody, you know? And, and I do recognize that this issue was not strictly black and white, um, but in the United States, that's the prevailing, you know, divide or differences or, contextual issues there from a cultural standpoint. So I think just not assuming, you know, um, that's, that's huge. And there's so much to be said for, hey man, tell, tell me about your story. How'd you grow up? What do you, you know, because that's, uh, that's a fast pass. Like when you go to the amusement parks and you get the fast pass, and you don't have to wait in line. Um, knowing someone's story is kind of a fast pass to, to really knowing who they are and getting a reference point even for how, um, building relationship how to best build a relationship with them you know if you're talking to a man and he tells you his story and it is one where every male role model or every uh guy who's been in his life has walked away has disappointed has abandoned then you're going to key into if i tell him i'm going to call him then i need to make sure i call him if i tell him that i'm going to show up you know, to watch his son play basketball, I need to make sure I do that or communicate if I can't do that because you have some context for if you don't, what that may feel like. So I think asking their story, not making assumptions. Um, I also believe that if you have identified people who you know, like we want to develop relationship with this family, sooner than later, make it a family thing, you know? It doesn't have to be, we have to be so far down the road. Again, it doesn't have to be, and it's better if it's not transactional. So yeah, we're meeting for coffee. Hey, let's get our wives together and go out to eat. Hey, let's have the kids over for, you know, because 
Though all of those things are relationship building and they're disarming. And lastly, I would say, let's not act like we don't know the issues that we know exist, right? Being able to say, hey, listen, I know that you probably think I'm going to ask you for something or that you're, you know, that may be your experience in the past. Maybe that's your expectation. I know you may be a little bit guarded with our country's current state, this white guy coming to talk to you, but let's talk about those issues. Mm. Um, It doesn't need to be the elephant in the room because we all know it's in the room. So let's talk about it. Um, uh And I'll give you this one for free. (laughs) Don't say I don't see color. How about we, how about we stop saying I don't see color? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Why, why is that so important to you? If you say I don't see color, then you're, uh, first of all, by saying I don't see color, you're telling me you see my color. Because if you think about it for a moment, you've never walked into a room of all white people and said to anybody, oh, I don't see color, man. You only say it when there's brown people in the room. Yep. As a, and I understand that sometimes it's said because you're nervous, people are nervous and they just don't know what to say. And they're trying to say, I, I want to be your friend. I want to be, just say, I want to be your friend. Like mm. it's just, it is, um, it's not affirming at all. What you do when you do that, what happens when you do that is there's a seed planted that there is something wrong, that you think there's something wrong with my color and by default, my cultural context and by default my family's history and by default this and that the other now i would i would venture to say that probably 80 percent of the time when someone says i don't see color they don't mean for all of that trickle down effect to happen but it's what happened and depending on who you're dealing with it can be quite infuriating because um it's just a it's a statement that almost eradicates the being of a person of color. Mm. I don't see color. So does that mean if I'm color, you don't see me? Mm. You know, um, also things like pointing out, um, trying to say this nicely, pointing out um, things like, wow, you know what, Jackie, you, your kid, oh, wow, your, your kids are really, really cat they're really well behaved and you really man you really speak well you really did a great job with that speech when there's three other people in the room who did speeches why why are you so surprised that i did a good job or why are you so, so so surprised that my kids are um really well behaved there are things that are overt and then there are things that are underlined and you know i don't expect everybody to know everything but I do think that building and building those relationships, you've got to kind of ask yourself questions over and over and over again before you actually let words come out of your mouth. And then being able to say, hey, I'm going to ask you this question, but you have full rights to say, uh, I don't like that question or I don't like the way that was worded and help me to know how to word it in the future. Because this is all I got right now, but it may not be the right thing. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Jack, Jackie, I think, you know, so many people probably with good motives have said, I don't see color mm-hmm. because they're assuming that's the goal. You know what I mean? Right. Instead of saying, Hey, uh, so I've, I've heard this saying, if I don't see color, how, how does that, if I were to say that, how's that come? You know, again, I think it's just that posture. And I, I really appreciate just being able to have this conversation with you and for us to say, 
you know, explain that to us. Tell us and just the receptiveness with which we can ask questions yeah. uh, because we don't want to assume, you know, and yeah. so that, that's something I really take am taking away from this conversation is just, if you don't make assumption, gosh, that feels like that's 99% of the way. It really is. And I would like to just add quickly, give, I'm going to say give grace. I'm not sure if grace is the word that I really want here, but that's the word that's coming to mind. As a majority culture, Anglo, Caucasian, white person, all the words for it in America, right? Understand that every black person is not going to want to explain to you what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Mm. There is exhaustion with that. Mm. Um, and that is something that even I had to come to understand. Like, why? Just teach people, just tell them what to do. But that is exhausting when you've had to live your entire life explaining to people why this is not okay or that's not okay or just faking why things are okay just to get by. So, something else that I would say is, and I don't mean this to sound demeaning at all. Read a book. Yeah. You want to know how to establish cross-cultural relationships? Try by, start maybe by understanding the plight of the people, just like missionaries, international missionaries study the people groups that they're going to live with and understand, try to understand culture and customs and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. And the same thing can be done and should be done, I would venture to say with those desiring to reach into the African-American community here in the States, when you have no reference points, there are plenty of authors and plenty of great books that can at least get you started and help you on your journey of understanding things that you don't have a reference point for. Can you recommend a couple? Yeah, I was about to say, can you yeah. give us a few? Oh, oh boy. Oh. <laughs> because you said that, here's what I can do. I can follow up and email you all because there are all kinds of titles that are swirling in my head right now, but the authors and the titles are playing this game in my mind and are not lining up with one another. But what I will do immediately following our podcast, I will email you guys some of the books that I'm talking about, and then you can share them. However, Yeah, I, I can share them on social media when we share the podcast. So okay. that works out perfect. Yeah, I will do that. Perfect. Well, Jackie, thanks so much for sharing with us. We really appreciate your insight and your wisdom in that. For both these podcasts, we're super, super grateful to have you on. No problem. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.